Welcome to HII Talking Points, a Huntington Ingalls Industries podcast. Twice a quarter, we'll sit down with HII leaders to discuss topics of interest in our company and industry. Welcome to HII Talking Points. I'm Phoebe Richards, and with me today to close out our last episode of the year is HII President and CEO Mike Petters. Mr. Petters, as always, thank you for joining. Well, once again, Phoebe, thanks for having me on this afternoon. Of course. So I think we can say 2020 has been a tumultuous year, and events over the past few months are shaping what the first half of 2021 and beyond will look like. So getting right into it, We had a major election in early November. Do you anticipate any changes to the business or our industry as a whole as a result? Uh, You know, Phoebe, I get this question a lot. um, And uh, I I think uh, I kind of look at it a couple of ways. Um, Anytime you have new people, there's going to be some changes. But I think that they're the kind of changes that we're used to. Uh, They'll be around the edges of what we're trying to do. There may be some new sets of priorities, Uh, but we've kind of had a a really interesting time over the last uh, year or so uh, as our, as the Pentagon and our other customers have kind of taken a look at what's going on out in the, in the world that really kind of drives their thinking. Uh, And, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that by and large, it's going to be, the changes will be there. There'll be some new priorities, but I don't think it's going to be tremendously dramatic for us. Uh, we come into it with a backlog of $45 billion and we're working, uh, you know, through all of that. Um, you know, while this kind of gets itself sorted out, I think what's noteworthy, um, uh, is the, uh, as the election has played out, there hasn't been a big there hasn't been a big push one way or the other around uh, spending on security. I think it, ha- it hasn't been a major issue of the campaign. Um, I think that, you know, we, we always have a bipartisan uh, support for uh, national security. And I think that uh, I think it's all it's still there. So um, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. Okay. So status quo for for now. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to continue to innovate. Um, we're going to continue to look to try to figure out what the future requirements of national security are going to be, uh, and how do we invest in such a way to help that become a reality. So uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's really kind of sitting on where we are so much as we have a really solid foundation, which gives us an opportunity to help the you know help all of our customers. Uh, go in the direction that they want to go. I, I guess I would say that the change in administration is not going to have a tremendously, it's not going to have a tremendous impact on what that direction is. I think that direction is pretty persistent. Understood. And speaking of that direction, there's been talk about the Navy's future fleet and a potential growing number of ships. So how do you see that playing out? And are we prepared if there is a call for increased shipbuilding? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, most recently, the Na- the Pentagon and the Navy put out a plan for what the Navy should look like in 2045. You know, the programs that we're involved with today are very well represented in that plan. Uh, and the programs that uh, the Navy wants to develop in the future, uh, we've been investing against those programs. And so, 
uh, I think that on the face of it, that plan is, uh, uh, you know, I think we're well positioned to support that plan. I do think that that's one of those things that'll get reviewed going forward in the new administration as to whether that's the plan or if there's some other version of it. But I think that instead of getting too caught up in the, the numbers of different platforms and things like that, which is what everybody wants to talk about, I think that you can step back from it and say, what are, the, what are the long-term currents in that plan that are going to be real? And, and from my standpoint, what I see is I see a Navy that has to be bigger, but it has to have, it has to be bigger in terms of needs, it needs many more ships and many more platforms, manned and unmanned. Uh, but it also, the platforms are going to need to be smaller, faster, and cheaper. And so I think the, the strategic challenge for us is going to be uh, how do we uh, innovate in such a way to be uh, competitive and valuable in that future that's not terribly different from where we are today, but it is a little bit different. So um, and I'm excited about that because I think we've been doing that. We've been thinking about that now for a few years. We've invested in unmanned. We're, we're investing in, uh, in manufacturing processes. We've invested in the shipyard of the future. Uh, we've done all of those things that I think are right in the, right in the heart of where we should of things we should be doing uh, and positions us, but now we're going to have to go and perform and execute on that. So. And it sounds like it, 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 you'll, you'll see continued innovation across the entire business, across the three divisions then. Oh yeah. Without, without question. I, you know, I, I think that, um, uh, the, I mean, the reality of the pandemic is that uh, the, the, our, our national uh, fiscal posture is not as strong as it was a year ago. And so uh, innovation that is, uh, creates more efficiency and more effectiveness is going to be the name of the game. I think we've been doing that, uh, and I think we're positioned to continue to do that in ways that will uh, directly support all of our customers. So speaking of COVID-19, obviously it was one of the most disruptive aspects of 2020, and it's something that you and I have talked about a lot this year. So. As we move into 2021, how do you see COVID-19 impacting or continuing to impact the business? You know, um, you're right. We've talked about it a lot. I think, uh, I feel like I've talked with everybody about this a lot. Uh, I know that everyone else out there is talking about it a lot. It's <laughs> probably the topic of conversation uh, every night at every, every at every dinner table. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, uh, we, we are a company that is used to handling crisis, we, whether it's a, uh, an environmental issue or, or a natural issue like a hurricane or a fire, whatever it is, uh, we have some pretty good, and we've talked about this, we've got some pretty good muscles around crisis management that we use pretty well. Uh, I think we made a very important distinction at the very beginning of this, and we recognized that it wasn't a short-term crisis. That in fact, uh, the crisis was not a hurricane in our shipyard uh, or a fire in our community. It was actually a human capital crisis in our living rooms at home. And so when we did that, once we understood that and we were able to give our employees the flexibility they needed um, to deal with, those, with that crisis, uh, and we've worked our way through that, we're now in a pretty good place relative to the safety of our work sites the protocols that we have in place, uh, 
you know, I, uh, I, I'd like to say that the coming to work might be the safest thing you can do every day relative to what's going on out in the rest of the community. Um, we certainly strive for that. So um, I think that sets us up for whatever the duration of this is. And, and I also think that because we recognized that this was not a hurricane and, was not, and it was not gonna be over in a couple of days, I think from the very beginning we decided and we worked hard and our and our and the whole team you know from from the folks on the waterfront to the folks in customer sites around the world the whole team has recognized that we don't know when the end date is and so let's make sure that whatever we put in place we can sustain for that um, and that's kind of, that's what I see has happened and I so I think we're well positioned for what's for what we're going to face I think we're going to face a pretty pretty tough winter here um, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, that's not the end of the world. That's just, uh, we're going to face that. We're going to, we're going to fight our way through it. Um, and we're going to do okay in that. And, you know, the uh, last couple of days, there's been announcements of vaccines and, and we'll see how all of that works out. I mean, it's a lot of logistics and everything else. I, I think it's really important for all of us to just remember that this is going to be going on until it's not. Mm-hmm. And if you start trying to predict uh, it'll be over by the end of the second quarter. Or I mean, I've been hearing some of that, and and I think that's uh, that's optimistic. It's good to have that kind of hope, but I don't want anybody to hang their hat on any of that because who knows what will happen. Uh, I want to be able to persevere until the end, through the end of this and accelerate out the other side of it whenever that is. Uh, I'd hate to think that we get to the end of the first quarter and we're not where we thought we'd be, and that creates a lot of challenge for us. So. Um, I think we're I think we're in a pretty good place, and and uh, you know I'm proud of I'm proud of the team, and I'm honored to be part of the team that um, is is persevering in this crisis. Because in in our communities, we're really driving we're driving a lot of of uh, good behaviors at work, and in and and at home and out in the communities. And I'm proud of that. Right. Uh, speaking of which, you know, just taking a step back. What do you think the defense industry's role is in terms of COVID-19 recovery? Um, there was a, an assistant secretary in the Pentagon said that, um, you know, that, that uh, defense spending is at the nexus of national security uh, and economic recovery. Um, and I think that's about as well said as it can be. I would I would add that there's not much difference between economic security and national security. And so getting the economy moving again is critical to our national security. The good thing about the defense industry in general, I'm just taking, we're not the largest contractor out there, um, but even we have 5,000 suppliers in virtually every state. And so when, when, we can go and invest in programs that we know we're going to buy anyway. Uh, we're creating we're creating economic stimulus on the ground in communities across the country, communities that have been hit pretty hard by this or are being hit really hard right now. Um, and so, you know, we have we have interesting things going on in our in our society right now. On the one hand, you see the unemployment rate seems to be coming back, I think at the last time I saw it's like eight or 9%, you know, after uh, that big drop to 15 or 20%. And so you'd start to say that's recovering, but mm-hmm. that rate 
doesn't count for the people that have just decided to not look for work. Right. And and 50% more women have decided because kids are at home and they're and they have the you know they have more than their share of the of the um, the work at home. 50% more women have chosen to not look for work than men. And so we've started to get some real imbalances. So you could you could look at it and say it's 8%, but in some communities it's going to be a lot more than that. And it's going to be a lot stronger. And, and, you know, defense spending is a way to go back into those communities with real jobs, high technology opportunities uh, to get folks working again, to get payrolls moving again, uh, to get bills paid again. Um, that's a faster way to get there than virtually any other way to do it. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm not sure that's being heard right now. Uh, we're trying hard just to um, make that message. Uh, but I think it's uh, I think it's this is one of those investments with a really high return. If you're going to buy something anyway, let's do it now when it has maximum impact. And so that's kind of the way we're that's the way I think about it. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Very good. Well, Mr. Patterson, thank you for sharing your thoughts and insight today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll see you in 2021. Well, I hope everybody out there has a, uh, has a very, very safe and happy holiday. Please take care of your families. Uh, be aware of all the protocols. Um, let me just say, I was in a meeting last week where the, where the head of the CDC was talking, and what he said was the number one source of transmission right now is family gatherings. So as you're thinking about your holidays, be, be very thoughtful and mindful and respectful of the virus and how it could impact your family. Uh, and if that means that uh, you have to do things differently, just that's the story of 2020. We're all doing things differently. But, uh, but be aware of that and, and see what we can all do to help uh, cut back on that transmission rate. Hope everybody has a safe holiday. Thank you. Thanks for listening to HII Talking Points. This podcast was produced by Huntington Ingalls Industries' Corporate Communications Team. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts at www.huntingtoningles.com slash podcast.